Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm not really like speaking or preaching. I really just feel, I don't want to teach. I, I really want you to catch something tonight. And I think I'm slightly annoyed with myself because I really wanted to just get up here with what I had in my head and my heart. And I started typing things out. And I think this might screw me up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'll see what I think about it. But um, I do believe God wants to do something significant tonight. I really feel so strongly about what God's about to do in here. And I really, I don't like to be casual when we say this, but I truly believe a transformational moment can happen tonight. And so I just want to just share with you what God's been doing and what he spoke to me that I really believe is going to propel you into something great tonight. But before I do that, I want to, Johnny Mac... Johnny Mac, I, I, just, I, I just need to just lift your hands to heaven. Gosh, I just, I just glanced over at you during worship, and I should have said Pastor John Mac, because we just ordained you, didn't we? This amazing human is just that. He's amazing. And I think everything that he touches turns to gold. And I think, Johnny Mac, you are married to a very strong, incredible woman of God who I adore and is very much like me. And because she's a lot like me, I think sometimes it's easy to just allow her to speak and to share and to minister and, and all of that. But I just, I literally saw tonight, and Teresa, don't change one single thing about you. You know we need you just how you are. But I saw you, Johnny Mac, just you have so much wisdom. When you speak, people listen. You have so much wisdom, wise beyond your years. And I saw you just in the spirit. You were just cheering Teresa on, and she's doing all the things she's doing. But I actually saw you just take a quick step to the left, and God just motioned to you to come. And you stepped forward, and it was that the Lord was saying, because you have sacrificed your devotion to me in the private places. You're in the background. You're not really out front and in the light. But God doesn't just want you to come forward into the limelight. He needs you to. He needs you. You've made so much impact with the people that you have touched in your life. And you have touched so many people. But God is just so ready to expand your influence for the kingdom. I heard the Lord say, John Mack is famous in heaven. He's famous in heaven. And now people will see you here on earth in that fame, glorifying the name of Jesus, bringing people out of bondage, leading people into wisdom and truth. So it is your time. God is literally calling you out, Johnny Mack, to take your place in the limelight, not for your glory, but for his glory. I just, God, I thank you for John Mack. Lord, just another wave of wisdom, courage, and strength just washing over him. 
God, I thank you for the calling and the gifting and the heart and soul that you have put into this man. And God, I thank you for Jesus, that the impact that he will have on the kingdom and in the kingdom here on earth is nothing short of a miraculous thing that you're going to do. It's going to be so miraculous, John Mack. I literally see you in your way, in your personality, speaking on platforms and speaking on stages and people giving their heart to the Lord. He's elevating you. You've done all that you need to do. There's nothing more. It's just now time to just let him do what he wants to do in and through your life. Amen. 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 Ah, beautiful. Go ahead and take your seats. Thank you so much. How, how fun is it to have Hannah and Casey back from having babies? And they match. They both just had babies. Look at them. They're just amazing. Oh, we've missed them so much. So glad they're back. Um, so tonight, I just really want to share my heart with you. And um, I want to talk about an experience that happened to me at Revive Conference. How many of you were at Revive Conference? Oh, so many. That's incredible. I hope those that you have, that were not there actually get the media card. There really was nothing like it. The, the best conference, most powerful conference we've ever had. So get that little media card in your hot little hands and devour those messages. Um, but the Lord really spoke to me at conference. And he challenged me on one main thing. But him challenging me very strongly on that one main thing has positively, positively affected so many other areas of my life. And so that's why I really feel like I just want to share with you what the Lord shared with me in my life at the Revive Conference. Um, you know, when we think about memories, I was just looking it up because, well, I've been thinking a lot about memories and seeing different memories because, you know, approaching Cherish Night and having to dress like we dressed in high school and trying to, you know, rummage up photos of me in high school and things like that, I pulled out my memory box, which is always interesting. You know, some of those photos, like, I just want to burn them, but then it's like, I feel like I should always reflect on where I came from. And it's humbling. It really is. I had, more, you know, like everyone has their awkward year. I had so many. Oh, my Lord, help me. Um, but, you know, so I've been really thinking about memories, and um, when we talk about memories, it's you remember information, or you re remember, or you have a recollection of a past event. It's a memory of the past, and I was going through my, and I just thought I'd just throw a couple up there just for kicks and giggles. I asked the guys right before I got up here, I'm like, can you throw these photos up? So here's this, but before you put it up, I don't know if you already have, but when I was going through my memory box, I had my little nine-year-old Henley sitting next to me. She's like, oh, mom, was this one from Halloween? I'm like, no, Henley. That was my first day of school in sixth grade. She's like, oh. So go ahead and put that, that photo up. Um, I mean, wow. Wow. The side pony, the bangs, the retainer, the pimples. I my discount store outfit, I, I, it was really rough, you know, that, that was me in sixth grade, you think it was cute, maybe I'm too hard on myself, I feel like that, I like cringe, Henley thought I was dressing up for Halloween, she was like mortified that, that her mom looked that way, and, uh, but then I pulled out, you know, another one that I, so I just want to show off, this is what, when I talk about growing up in Oregon, 
Like, these are the things we did. We caught fish the size of us. So that's my um, grandfather, sir, and that's my older sister, Angie, who's now with the Lord. That's me, and that is a sturgeon. Those are beastly. Those you have to beat over the head about 50 times with a metal club to kill it once you get it in the boat. We did this every single weekend. We would fish in the river or we would fish in the ocean, and I would vomit the entire time, but I was committed to bringing home the biggest fish. Because we didn't have protein in my family of five kids unless we shot it or caught it and we skinned it ourselves. So when I say I'm from Oregon, like I'm a legit Oregon hunter, fisher, um, skinner, um, all the things. We built forts, guys. And our, the, we didn't have TV growing up. We had to play like children. We built forts. We pretended there was bad guys. We rationed food all day. And we left the house in the morning and did not come back till dark. And my parents never worried. Like, the only TV we watched was my mom would record Little House on the Prairie. And so we had a whole, our whole laundry room cabinetry was not for, for like um, extra bedding or towels. They were VHSs of when Mary lost her sight, when Laura fell in love with Almanzo, when, I mean, like, we, they were all labeled, and we would just watch them over and over and over again. So, yeah, so we did stuff like that. That's what we, we did growing up. So I've been really, like, pondering all these memories, some sad, some happy. They spur on different emotions, but their memories are in the past that you just reflect on for a moment. But then there's moments. Moments. And when you look at what a moment means, it's a short period of time, the present time, a point in time when something important, special, or unusual happens, a short period of time when you have the opportunity to do something or something significant happens. Let's pray. God, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you that tonight would be a moment. God, not just a memory of a service but God, a moment where people encounter you. They encounter the Holy Spirit. God, and that you would speak to them and they would hear and they would listen and that they would obey. So God, I thank you for this time. God, I honor you with it. Lord, help me. Every word that leaves my mouth, God, would be words ordained by you and help me not say anything ridiculous. Amen. So the title of my message this evening is Momentum, Turning Moments into Momentum. So like I said, the memories are recollections of the past, something you reflect on, but a moment is meant to become, isn't supposed to become a memory, something you remember when you think about it. It's supposed to lead a moment, a powerful moment, an encounter with God is supposed to lead into momentum to serve as a springboard to bring something more about in your lives. Memories are for the past. Moments are meant to change your future. I had one of those moments at Revive Conference. Maybe you had a moment at conference as well. But moments can really happen anywhere. While we prioritize conferences and, and when we set aside that time to hear from the Lord, he always meets us there. 
That's why we always encourage you to get to conference and to cherish nights and things like that. But moments can happen in a service like this. Moments can happen when we're on a walk and praying with the Lord. Moments can happen when we're driving in our car and listening to worship music. Moments can happen anywhere, but they require a certain atmosphere. Like my husband, Pastor John, shared at conference. He said, the plans of God are only revealed in the presence of God. So if we can get in the presence of God, we are positioning ourselves to hear from God to transform our lives. And I loved what my husband shared at conference. And he really challenged me. If I'm being honest, I loved every single message. There was not one moment that I could have just tossed away and said wasn't impactful. Every single moment was transformational. But the most transformational moment for me was my husband's message. You're amazing. Just talking about how much God loves you and your devotion to him. And what God can do when you have a fully devoted life to him. And how he can speak to you and change you and transform you. And move through you miraculously. And he said, if God needs to get you a word, where can he find you? And I was so challenged by that. Life can get busy. I'm a pastor, but if I'm going to be honest, if the Lord needed to get a word to me, when have I set aside a consistent time or even time when life gets busy for him to get me the word that he needs to give me? If God needed to get you a word, where can he find you? Can he find you in the morning? Can he find you on your prayer walk? Can he find you at night before you go to bed? Can he find you in your car on the way to work? When are we actually tuning in to what God wants to share with us so he can get you the word that you need to sustain you? We need to get into his presence. Where can God expect to find you? And so I think it was John's message for me that really positioned me for my moment with the Lord. Um, and again, I'm talking about conference, but moments like this can happen anywhere, like I said. So it was at the end of conference, and if you were here, it's really hard to put into words what, what happened. Um, Rex Crane was ministering, and at the end, he all just encouraged us to either, you know, we could stay in our seats, but he actually really encouraged us all to actually just get on the floor, kneel at the altar, or kneel where we were at, and just the, the worship team was playing. And it was like God was meeting each and every one of us individually. Like we were all experiencing our moment with the Lord, hearing God's voice for our life personally. And I remember just sitting right there, and I was like, Lord, help everyone discern that I'm not in the mood to minister to anyone else because I need ministry right now. And I didn't, God was so faithful. I literally was like, Lord, help people understand this is not the right time because I just was just connecting with the Holy Spirit. And I sat there and I cried out to the Lord and I said, God, I don't want to stay the same. Like, I need to change. I need breakthrough in this area. God, help me overcome this thing and that thing this year. And I was just crying out to him going, I can't stay this way. I need you. I need breakthrough. And the Holy Spirit whispered so clearly to me. And he said, oh, the same list as last year. And the year before. And the year before. And that was also on your vision card. 
And it wasn't, it was like so confronting and it was definitely a rebuke and a challenge from the Holy Spirit, but he didn't do it with judgment and condemnation. It was like, I felt so loved by God in that moment going, but really, you asked for the same things last year and nothing's changed. Is this the year? Is this the year where you get to conference next year and that list has been broken over your life? Because it's up to you. It's up to me. And I felt so challenged thinking about how good God is to meet us and to speak to us and to minister us and give us those moments where we feel like you can't even describe his tangible presence. And then he speaks to you about something. And we're so moved. We're so moved in the moment. But if we're not careful, that powerful moment that he spoke that word to us to challenge us, to encourage us, to bring breakthrough and transformation in your life can turn into a distant memory when the emotions fade. If you don't take that moment and start to make some changes and gain momentum to bring true transformation and breakthrough in your life. Like, yes. We risk these moments just passing us when the emotions fade. And I remember Pastor Leanne, was, she was like on the same wavelength as me. Just a couple of weeks ago, she said, emotion that doesn't lead to devotion are just empty words. Emotion that doesn't lead to devotion are just empty words. So if we let these powerful moments fade into a memory and not momentum, how are we ever going to move forward in our lives? And that's what we want, right? Like, and if I ever get too passionate or angry or, or sound frustrated, it's honestly because I was frustrated with myself. So I'm actually preaching to myself right now, and I want to bring you all along with me on the journey because I want us to grow together. To not be people that talk about the emotion of a moment, but it's momentum to bring lasting change into our lives. We're only hurting ourselves when God speaks to us and he gives us that word. And we don't do anything with it. Like, think about that. God in heaven met me there and spoke to me clearly, as clear as day, to overcome, to break free from this. And I don't do anything with it. And I stay the same. What are we doing? What am I doing? What are we doing? God is impressed with one step of obedience and a thousand good intentions. And I had a lot of good intentions, but it doesn't impress God or change anything. He's more impressed with one step of obedience in the right direction, doing the thing that he's already told you to do. So we need to honestly, I'm just going to tell it to you straight. We need to get rid of our lame excuses myself included. And again, remember, I'm saying this to me first. I've said this to me before I've said it to you. We need to get over our lame excuses. We're only hurting ourselves. We need to stop agreeing with what the devil says and start agreeing with what the word of God says about us. Some of us need to just stop snoozing and get up. 
You want to get up and spend time with the Lord? You want to have that kind of life where he talks to you and he ministers to you and he gives you visions and dreams and uses you powerfully in your family and in your life, the world around you? Then stop snoozing and get up. It's actually not that hard. But ask John, how many times do I snooze? I snooze my all the way through my devotional time, and then I'm a grumpy mess because there's joy in his presence, and if I'm never in his presence, I'm going to be grumpy. So stop snoozing and get up. When the alarm goes off, throw the sheets over. And I, I still go, Lord, give me strength. I do. I'm like, Lord, give me strength. And I throw myself out of bed. Some of us need to stop binge-watching our programs and start getting into the Word of God. Stop scrolling and get into the Scriptures. Some of us need to stop withholding from God and start sowing into the kingdom with our tithes and offerings like He has told you year after year and service after service. What are we doing? God spoke to you. Some of us need to stop complaining and cursing our God-given calling. I felt challenged on that at conference. Pastor Jurgen prophesied over me again and told me all the things I already know because God already told me it, that I would be a minister and travel the world and set people free and all the things. And I've done some of that. I've gone to many nations and preached the gospel but I actually believe I've been my own stumbling block because I complain about message prepping. I complain about the time that I'm not out at the party with the friends on Saturday because I have to be in the Word to prepare something. So I've actually been complaining and cursing the very thing God's called me to. What am I doing? What am I doing? Some of us need to just stop talking about it and be about it. Go on a walk. Get to the gym. Be healthy. You have one body. Take care of it. We talk about it a lot. I'm going to start Monday. <laughs> That's another thing. I started walking. I need to be healthy. I've been getting up and going on walks, even though it's hot as H-E-L-O in the morning in East County. <laughs> Has God already told you to go to marriage counseling? Has already told you to join a connect group, connect group because you need community. Has he told you to get to merge prayer or cherish prayer? Has he told you to get involved in our recovery program? Has he told you to start tithing? Has he told you to develop your prayer life? Has he told you to apply for that job or stop? making excuses for all the reasons you can't afford a home in San Diego. He told you to start looking. Why are you not looking? He told you to start that business. He told you to have that conversation. He told you to release forgiveness. What are we doing? I think some of us we ask God for a word and a breakthrough, but we've ignored the first word he told us that probably would have brought the breakthrough. He doesn't talk for nothing. 
Jesus doesn't waste his words. When he says something to you, he actually wants your sacrifice of obedience and he wants you to do what he's told you to do. Not because he's a taskmaster, but because he loves you. And he knows this is the thing that's going to start the trickle effect to bring the breakthrough and the transformation and the joy and the peace and the prosperity and the blessing that you long for. There's nothing that will silence the voice of God more than your stagnation. Why would he keep speaking if you just stay stagnant every time he tells you to do something? And again, I'm talking to myself, so remember that but I I want I just that's why I just want to impart something to you and I know I have scriptures don't worry I have some scriptures but I really I wanted to share my heart like because there were so many powerful things that happened at conference and so many powerful things that happened this Sunday after conference and then when Pastor Leanne preached and then when Pastor Jurgen preached and God probably spoke to you unless you have silenced his voice he probably said, oh, just you need to start doing that one thing. But then you don't do the one thing. So it was just a memory of a great message. When it could have changed your life. What has God already told you to do that you have not done? There's a scripture in Exodus 40 that says, when Moses finished the work that the Lord had commanded him to do, then the glory of the Lord fell. God so desperately wants his glory to fall in your life. Every single area of your life. So he doesn't speak just to waste words. He speaks to bring transformation, to change your story. And I want that for you so desperately. I want it for myself because I know how it feels to stay stagnant. I know how it feels to feel ashamed when year after year you're still putting the same thing on the card that you actually know isn't that more, it isn't that difficult to overcome. It's really not. But you make up excuses or the reasons or you just let it fade. Like, I want us to be people that know what God's voice is saying to us. And then when we hear his voice, we turn that in that moment that he speaks to us into momentum. Don't you want your life to be more awesome? I do. Like, don't you want the breakthrough? Don't you want your marriage to be the marriage that you always dreamed of? Don't you become the parent that you know you can be? Don't you want the job that you thought you couldn't even have because you didn't think you were worthy of it? Like, don't you want those things? then what has he told you to do? And maybe you think it's not even correlated, the job, but you want me to get in a connect group. Well, maybe maybe someone in that connect group has the connection to the job that you've been dreaming of. Stop trying to outthink God and just do what he says to do. He only has good plans for you, the Bible says, far above anything you could ever hope for or imagine. And I know there's strongholds in people's lives. There are generational things that plague us with limiting mindsets, poverty mentalities, depression, brokenness. But I need to tell you something. You are stronger than the stronghold that is holding you back because you guys have Jesus on the inside of you. Stop complaining about the stronghold. You are stronger. You are stronger. 
And you might just need some reaffirming right now. Do you realize how amazing you are? <laughs> oh, we question our, worthy, our, our worthiness all the time. Like, but do you realize how special you are? Like, God created you because there was no one like you, and he needed you, and he wanted you. Do you know that God knows everything you've ever done, everything you will do, and all your failures and all, my, all your mistakes? But he's still, like that song Peter says, he's still, you fall again, you fall, and he picks you up, and guess what he calls you? Worthy. You're worthy. He wouldn't ask you to do some of these things if he didn't think you were worthy to do it. Like, so when God says to go do something big, why do we question if it's God or if it's, if we can? He would never be a cruel God that would tell you to do something you're never able to accomplish or that he doesn't think you should accomplish or will accomplish or can accomplish. The fact is you can do anything with God. And I kind of sound like a motivational speaker right now. I am not fully into that, but if I can motivate you, you can, you can do it. Whatever God's called you, you can do it with him. It's not a matter of if you can, it's just will you. You can, but you won't until now. Because you realize that you're going to dole out God's voice and you're not going to hear him anymore if you don't start listening to the first thing he asks you to do that will bring the breakthrough that leads you to the next thing that he asks you to do so you can keep moving on and transforming your life and living the life that we all dream of. And it does not matter how much you have screwed up or that you'll screw up again. I made some commitments and promises right there when I sat there. When the Holy Spirit challenged me of, oh, you're here again, same list. You know what? I didn't snooze for about three mornings, and I got up and I got in the Word, and I went on my walk, and I prayed. Then two mornings, I snoozed and passed the time. Guess what? I literally felt the Holy Spirit say on that third morning, say, are you going to let the devil now shame you into just giving up? Because you already screwed up. You're five days in, and you failed two days. And I'm like, oh, no not this year. I am not going to have the same things on my list as next year. So I succeeded for three days, took a couple steps back the next two days, but then guess what? You get up and you go again. Don't let the devil keep you down. Don't let him stop you from fulfilling the word that God has spoken over you to accomplish and do. I'm going to summarize some Bible. So those of you who are very nervous right now that we're not a Bible-believing church, we very much are. And hopefully maybe this story will help a little bit. And I have to summarize. I don't know why I can't stop preaching about the Israelites <laughs> and like Egypt and the wandering. I just love it. You could preach for days on the lessons in those Bible stories. God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12 and promised him the promised land for his people, God's chosen people, the Israelites. Genesis 12, right from the very beginning. Genesis 26, Lord then speaks the same promise he spoke to Abraham. He spoke to Abraham's son, Isaac. And then he told Isaac, just like he told his father, I'm going to take you one day into the promised land. Your generations will be in the promised land. 
And then in Genesis 35, the Lord speaks to Isaac's son, Jacob, and reminds him of the same thing. So we see generation after generation, the Lord is trying to get a message and remind them of what God has promised them. So Jacob moves his whole, the whole nation of Israel to Egypt during the famine. And the whole nation of Israel, God's chosen people, are not in the promised land. They're in a foreign land, and they become slaves. From the time God spoke to Abraham to the time Jacob brought the entire nation of Israel into Egypt, 220 years had passed since the promise. But how good is God to remind the generations as they go, this is still the promise. This is still for you. And they spent 430 years being slaves in Egypt before God raised up Moses to deliver God's people from the land where they were servants and slaves to bring them into the promised land. So 650 years had passed when God raised up Moses to deliver them to take them into the promised land. 650 years God had reminded from generation to generation that this is the plan I have for you. This is what's promised. They had an opportunity to go into the promise. And we know the story, Joshua, Caleb, and the 10 spies. Joshua and Caleb said, this is a land that God has given us. Let's go take the land to go into our promise, the thing that God has promised us for 650 years. But the 10 spies brought a discouraging report, and they didn't believe that God was actually going to fulfill the thing he had promised for 650 years. And so they turned away, and because of their punishment, because of their unbelief, and they refused to take the land God had given them, they then had to wander another 40 years in the wilderness until an entire unbelieving generation died out. The people that wouldn't go in all died out. And now you have the rising generation who are wandering for 40 years. They're literally, they're at the, at the border of the Jordan River. They can see the promised land. 690 years. And they all knew about it. It was like the best telephone game of all time. It didn't get distorted over time. Everyone knew. Those Israelite God's chosen people knew that the promise, the promised land was theirs. For 690 years, God kept speaking the same promise and telling them the same thing. And at 690 years, I'm going to pick up the story in Numbers 32, 1 through 2. This is where we find ourselves. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Gezer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, which are tribes in Israel, God's chosen people, the Israelites, they came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the leader of the congregation. Then picking up in verse 5 through 8, it says, So Gad and Reuben, these tribes that have heard the promise for 690 years, they can see the promise right there. They say this, therefore, to Moses and Eliezer the priests, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan into the promised land. And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, shall you brethren go to war Wait, shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel, which the Lord had given them? Thus your, just, this is what your fathers did. This is what your fathers did. When, when they were supposed to take the land 40 years prior, this is exactly what the fathers did. Oh, don't. We can't go into, just let us stay here. Let's just settle east of the Jordan. Don't make us cross over the Jordan into the promised land. And then Moses begins to school them about the fact that their fathers did the same thing and they're risking compromise right now. 
And because 40 years prior, people didn't obey the voice of God and go into the promised land, an entire nation suffered. An entire generation died out and they're literally asking to not go in again after 690 years. In Numbers 32, 14, Moses rebukes them and says, and look, you have risen in your father's place abroad of sinful men to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. And so Gad and Reuben's tribe and a part of Manasseh, that tribe as well, agreed to go over across the Jordan, fight for them to, to take the promised land. And then they said, and then let us come back and settle here, east of the Jordan, east of the promise. I mean, when I read this, how many times does the Lord have to tell them century after century that this is what I need you to do, take the promised land. And after 690 years, they still choose to not obey the voice of the Lord and they settle because it looked good. It was like, ah, it's not too bad. Don't need to overcome that thing. Do I really need to go to marriage counseling? We're okay. We'll, we'll make it. Looks okay. Let's just settle settle just shy of the promise, just shy of the obedience. And they thought it was going to be okay. But by settling east of the Jordan, the Jordan River actually was a natural boundary of protection against the enemies. But because they settled on this side of the Jordan, they were exposed to all their enemies. And the Bible tells us in 1 Chronicles 5.26 that the kings of Assyria conquered the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh and took them into captivity to this day. They didn't know what the future held, but they paid a high price for settling and not obeying the voice of the Lord. They lost everything, their land, their wives, their children, their wealth, and their freedom because they thought it would be okay to just settle just shy of what God asked them to do. I know for me, year after year, putting those same things on my card. Here's the thing. other It's not just you that suffers when we don't obey the voice of the Lord. I want to ask you, who is going to suffer if you don't obey the voice of the Lord? Their families, their whole nation, their whole tribe was affected because they didn't obey the voice of the Lord. I know for me, not overcoming certain things or mindsets or the complaining or whatever it was, it negatively affected my marriage and my children as their mom. And I just had to humble myself before the Lord, say, not this year, Lord. This isn't going to be a moment that turns into a memory that fades into the distance. This moment is going to spur me onto momentum to do what you've asked me to do. And I know I'm going to be changed and my family's going to be changed and I'll fully enter into the promises that he has for me when I listen to his voice. I'm committed to doing that this year. And I just want to know if there's anyone in here that's willing to take that challenge with me. I thank you for this moment. 
so excited for what this means for my own life, for their personal lives, for their families, for their futures. God's sealing us this moment and reveal to us what step of obedience we need to take tomorrow to turn this moment into momentum. I'm just going to allow the worship team to just sing. And when we are a little over time, I apologize. It's still summer, right? Do what you need to do right now. Stay in your seat. Come to the altar. Kneel down. And let the Lord either remind you of the word he spoke for you to do or to give you a word that you will turn into momentum. And then when you're ready, you can leave the service and pick up your children, but we'll eventually close the service. But don't let this moment pass you by. God, I thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment. I thank you that you're going to speak to each one. Minister Holy Spirit. Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.